everyone, and we're live. You're tuning into the Cosmic Children Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and today I have a peculiar individual in the studio with me. Ben, you are known by, you're known as the Smiling Afro online. Um, to kickstart the conversation, who or what is the Smiling Afro, and how would you describe what you do? Yes, uh, well, actually, um, many years ago, five years ago, when I started the Smiling Afro, I actually asked myself that question many times, who? And what is the smiling afro? Mm. To make sure I know what to say. Yep. <laughs> so where have you arrived five years later? Well, okay. So, um, well, first things first. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Ben. My real name is actually Benjamin Gerard Jose Byrne. Yes, I can see surname. why you use the smiling afro now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, my surname is Byrne. It's actually um, of Irish origin. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm Eurasian. I'm a proud Eurasian and that's where I usually start by explaining to people how come I have an afro is uh, because everyone is like hey no way you Chinese boy have afro you yep. Asian guy no way then I'm like oh I'm Eurasian ah okay lah so I yeah, make sense so, so that makes it okay yeah they're yeah. like suddenly ah oh, okay that is fine <laughs> yep yep yeah so um, yeah so I'm but the funny thing is it's not from my Irish side so my great-great-grandfather is pure Irish and he married my great-great-grandmother who was Anglo-Indian and mm. she had curly hair. And then my great-grandfather married uh, an Indonesian, a Dutch-Indonesian lady okay. who also had curly hair from yep. the Indonesian side. Yep. And then my grandfather married Branakan. Mm. And then my dad who, you can tell he's not doesn't look, uh, he looks very mixed, right? But yet not like, uh, he looks more like Singaporean brand. I can't mix. Married my mom, pure Chinese. That's why I look very Chinese, but I somehow kept the curly hair gene mm. for my great, great grandmother and my great grandmother. Yep. And uh, so, yeah. So that's how I got curly hair. Yep. Um, so during the character select screen, you chose the Afro. Yeah, I yeah. Gotcha. I just scroll very far down. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> like preset 15 or something. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so funny thing is, uh, I only grew my hair out like, you know, as Singaporeans, right? We, in secondary school, we had to be short hair as guys. But when I went to poly, yep. so I told my mom, say, hey, um, you know, after polytechnic, I have to go to army, right? So I have to shave my head. And so why not let me grow my hair out, you know, just like one time phase in my life, you know, youth, like just long hair and yep. all that, you know? And she was like, yeah, fine, sure, whatever. You save $10 every month <laughs> anyways, uh, in cutting yep. your hair, right? Yep. And so weirdly enough, after a month or so, as my hair grew longer and longer, the longest I've ever had, and I was 17, I mean, as in like, since I was uh, uh, growing up, right? Longest I've ever had started in 17. And I said, hey, mom, how come my hair curls when it's long? Yeah. And she was like, oh, uh, well, your father has that too. Lah. But we didn't know whether you have or not. <laughs> but I guess, uh, yeah, you have your father's hair. I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And uh, so the funny thing, so every week when I see my friends, uh, every weekend we hang out, right? And they're like, Ben, your your hair every week is getting clear and clear. Like, what's happening? Are you sleeping with underwear in your head or something? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't know, guys. I think just my jeans, yeah. And so I kept it for two and a half years. Yeah. Well, it was the longest length, yeah. right? And yeah, you can imagine throughout that, those months, you know, everyone was like, what? What's going on? Yeah. And uh, funnily enough, uh, most of the reactions I got from people were more positive than negative. Mm. A lot of, uh, I mean, I start to notice uh, slowly and slowly every week as I go out, people on the streets are like, oh, boy, you have uh, interesting hair. What, very cool, you know? And yep. people start calling me the Afro guy yeah. or like Ben Afro, yep. um, Afro you, Afro Ben. Yep. And I kind of stuck and I kind of like realized my new identity. Mm. Like this is me. It's my natural hair. It is who I am. It's based on my heritage. And I, I like it. I ran with it, you know? Um, and then Ami came. Yep. And... 
of course, I had to cut my hair, but uh, um, after the army, I was like, you know what? I'm going to grow it back because before the army, during my poly days, I kind of like found my new identity. Like, it's mm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, new, but yeah, it's me, right? And the short version of why it's called the Smiling Afro is because uh, when I was a young kid growing up, I was a smiling boy. Like uh, Hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my mom always reminded me that, like, you know, uh, to look at my old photos in nursery in K1, K2, I was the only kid in class who smiled for photos. Yeah. And oh, so you were I, that kid? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was okay. that kid. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. Seemed seemingly extremely happy kid. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, during my teenage years, that smile went away. It was mm. just angst, teenage yep. angst. And so what hit me the most was once, I remember I was 15 years old, fresh out of argument with my mother over trivial reasons, right? And, I was just throwing temper in my room one day <laughs> and she came in and then she looked at me and she looked at my nursery photo and she was like, hi, where did my smiling boy go? And she walked out. Yeah. That's it, you know? Yeah. And I was down there in my angst. I was like, <sighs> I look at the photo. I was like, oh, damn, my mom, my mom's right, man. Where the did music, that? please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like the scene in the movie, you know, yeah. where I'm like, no, I'm staring at the uh, image of myself and I'm like, Flashback, like, oh, yeah. my mom's right, you know, like uh, I shouldn't let all these like teenage excuses, you know, take away my my joy and my smiling face and everything. So, and then, yeah, so that stuck with me for a while. Yeah. And then when just before, two weeks, three weeks before my 21st birthday, yep. my mom passed away. Yep. And so that was a very tough time for me during yep. that year. I think it's 2012. Um, and there was a lot of thinking, a lot of like reflection. And I was like, you know what? Um, I want to make something out of this uh, afro also because uh, at the same time it was like you know what this is my new identity and so I said okay I want to have a name mm. I want to have like a nickname for myself like yeah. a brand name for fun that time was nothing to do with career yet, just mm. for fun and it hit me you know like my mom always said you, you grew up as a smiling boy you should never stop smiling and yeah. I was like okay that's it I'm going to be the smiling afro yeah. and that's going to be my my nickname yeah and I immediately changed my Instagram, everything. Uh, it's a smiling air full. Uh, and yeah. uh, so this was just before I went to army. So after army, I came out, I was like, all right, all channels, this is my so-called brand name, you know? Yep. Yeah. And so this is what a smiling air full represents. Smiling air full represents uh, just joy. Mm. You know, just uh, me, just a, your Singaporean, your friendly neighborhood Singaporean guy who just wants to make people smile. That's yeah. Um, and, you know, and the acknowledgement to what my mom has always reminded me to be. Yeah. Smiling boy, spread smile to others. So yeah. So yeah. that's what the smiling effort is, actually. Yeah. yeah. What I loved about that is I asked you such a pointed question and you went to like a 15 minute uh, <laughs> introduction. <laughs> Amazing. It's like you have it all prepared with the lineage and everything. <laughs> <laughs> It's like everything's rehearsed before. It's amazing. Yeah, so you can imagine how many times I've been asked this question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so you you brought up the word identity a couple of times. So mm-hmm, what I'm curious mm-hmm. to know is um, what what is the difference uh, between you taking up this uh, persona and this identity of the Smiling Afro and before? What were you like before then? Um, actually, I've always been the same, actually. Uh, yeah. I think... Um, there was a gap in my life. So from the time I was a young kid smiling around until about maybe 12 years old, yep. where you know, puberty happened and teenage life happened and yep. all the questions started coming in. I was, just, I was more, I think I was more an angry kid yeah. for about my 12, 13 to 16 years old. Yeah. But 17 years old onwards was when I started to realize that, hey, I really like uh, comedy. I really like, um, you know, like uh, Mr. Bean was one of my first mm. uh, inspirations, right? I really like to make people laugh. Yeah. 
uh, and I said, hey, you know, um, I just want to be that person. Uh, never thought it would be the career yet. It was still early, but I just want to, wherever in my life, I just want to make people feel happy. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, somehow the, it just finally I feel spawned from just that, you know, and I've, yeah, so to answer your question, I, I've always been more or less this this guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. So what was it about Mr. Bean in particular that yeah. you first saw that kind of attracted you to what he was doing? Did, were you even conscious of what he was doing? Because I believe back in the day, he was doing a lot of skits with the teddy bear yes, and everything. Yes, right? So were you yes. conscious, oh, this guy's doing comedy or were you just, oh, this guy's making people laugh? It's like very funny. Right. Yeah. yeah. So actually what really hit me as a young boy and I'm actually amazed it hit me is how Mr. Bean could make people laugh mm. without saying a lot. Mm. he didn't say much yep. you know it was a lot of uh, physical comedy yep. uh, and that was this was before I knew about Charlie Chaplin mm. so I and, and of course the laugh track kind of like as a young kid kind of told me oh this is supposed to be funny right yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah so that hit uh, stuck me for a long time about how much joy he brought and I just you know felt hey you know if I can do what Mr. Bean does to people uh, you know it's nice it's a nice uh, nice feeling and yeah so that's uh, that's what Mr. Bean or how Mr. Bean inspired me actually yeah yeah so yeah. how did the, that perhaps that subconscious acknowledgement of you liking comedy, how did it translate along the years to you, I guess, studying Smiling Afro and right. using it as a career? Because you said uh, multiple times that it, it wasn't a cognizant that you wanted it to be a career in the right. first place. Yeah. yeah. What, what was that journey like? Wow. Um, I think the first time I realized that I was really, I could do this was, I think it was 11 years old. Okay, I remember primary five, right? Wow, okay. Yeah, primary five. So uh, I, I, I'm Catholic, so I, re I went to church and I had catechism, right? So once a week, uh, I'll be in class yeah. and I was the joker in class. Like, um, I'll just make funny comments yeah. and you know, people, and it, it kind of lighten up the class a bit, right? Because usually church can be very boring. Yeah. And after a while, I realized my teacher was very happy me doing that because she also knows how difficult it is to make the, the class mm. lively. Yeah. And she's always looking to me as the, the comic relief as a 11 year old kid yeah and and then she always tell me hey you know you have this glow of yourself you know like keep glowing keep making people smile it's great you know it's the energy and yeah so from 11 years old i realized okay you know let me bring it on to my life my friends more to my friends and family or whatever even and uh, in my personal life yeah. and um eventually i just did comedy for fun mm. like in my church community i did stand-up comedy mm. i did theater I, I uh, eventually when I got my hands on my first camera, I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I make my first funny video? So I was doing all that and kind of like uh, uh, my skills for fun became into, uh, I used it for my polytechnic mm. and I was like, wow, I really enjoy making funny stuff and I realized videos was a medium I could use to make people smile Yeah, and I got very interested in that. So uh, in poly, I, I went to Nyan Poly, I did motion graphics. So it was yeah. more like a graphics Video graphics course. Yeah. Uh, it was where I kind of like uh, discovered more of my video skills. And so I realized how much I love like a real life um, video as opposed to graphics. So I quit school and I went to La Salle mm. to further my film uh, like aspirations. All right. And the dream was to create, use my film uh, experience or film career to create more videos to make people laugh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, but it was. Still then, you know, during my uh, La Salle days, it, I was never like, oh, I'm going to be a comedian or anything. It was just, oh, I'm just going to be a director or mm. work in the advertising or film industry yep. and basically help to create stuff. Yep. But it was only after I went to London to do my master's in filmmaking. So I had a dream of like working there in advertising because... Well, Mr. Bean's English, right? Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to where the land where I first got all the inspiration from. 
and uh, maybe create a career there mm. in either advertising or filmmaking. But Brexit happened and I couldn't get a job. <laughs> yeah, the same year, the same year going to school, Brexit was voted in. So gotcha. Like, wow. Yep. And so nowhere was hiring anymore, you yep. know, foreigners because they don't know what's going to happen. Is, yep. the, is the company going to move or anything? And so I came back home to Singapore disappointed. Mm. But I said, you know what? I've always wanted to start this Smiling Apple channel for fun. Like, just make it official. And post comedy content on my own accord. You know, no nobody to to say anything or, or give uh, feedback or, you know, like no company to decide how yep. I should do it. I'm just going to do it for fun. And then at the same time, I'm going to apply and work in the advertising industry in Singapore and I want to build my career here. Yep. But Smiling Apple is always going to be just like the side thing for yeah. fun. Yeah. And so that's when I finally uh, launched it in 20... This is 2018. 2018. So yeah. I came back on 2018 January. I launched it in 2018 February. Yep. So it's exactly five years ago. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know what? This is going to tell everyone, hey, guys, I finally decided, finally got the guts to start my own channel. And all my content is going to be under Smiling Afro. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. But two days later, I, I got a call from my first client. They were like, hey, we've been following you for a while, but we never knew you feel like legit for hire. Mm-hmm. But now we just saw that you launched your channel. So wondering, are you official? And I was like, you know, of course shocked, right? Because in my heart, I was like, yeah, there's a dream of like, maybe one day I'll yeah. get hired as a smiling afro, but for now, let me go work. Yeah. Right? Let me just post content for about a year and maybe one day someone will care. Yeah. Two, two days. So I had to pretend I knew what I was talking about. I said, like, yeah, yeah, I'm available to uh, discuss, uh, you know, rates and what you have in mind. So you're smoking through, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then one week later, I went for the meeting and basically just told me, hey, we love your character. We want to pay you to create videos for us mm. as yourself. And that was kind of like music to my ears. And uh, so that was my first uh, client, Yahoo, actually. Yeah. It was my first client and they kind of helped kickstart the Swanning Afro because by then I already had a fun logo and everything and then I was they were I was posting uh, I was making videos for them once a week yep. and I was getting like uh, traction people were like hey who's this guy Yeah. oh is he working for Yahoo or with Yahoo what's going on yep. and uh, after about I think five six months later I realised hey I'm getting traction I really need to decide now what I want to do with this mm-hmm. and so I said okay that's it I'm going to start applying for advertising jobs yep. I'm going to start my own company. It's going to be Smiling Afro. And I'm going to tell people, hey, I am available for hire. Yeah. I'm my own self-employed business. Yep. Um, yeah, let's work, let's work together and build my brand. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was in 2018. Yeah. And so yeah, that's uh, basically how the Smiling Afro or how far the Smiling Afro has come. Yes, a brand, right? So I'm curious yeah. to know, Um, have you always been this charismatic and confident in front of the camera because um, ah. there's a lot of type of videos where one might not be as confident because when you put yourself out there in, in such a fashion, in such a, I would say, bombastic fashion, you tend to attract a fair amount of criticism or mm-hmm. a fair amount of just judgment. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty easy to pass judgment these days. So I'm just curious to know, have you always been this confident and charismatic? If yes, if no, we can move from there. Uh Yes, I've always been this confident since I was actually eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks, thanks to my parents, actually. You know, you know funny story, They, I was a very shy kid. Mm-hmm. Super shy kid. Yep. I couldn't even order my own McDonald's as a young kid. Mm-hmm. I was so shy to talk to people. And so my parents were pretty pissed off with that, right? <laughs> because my, my dad is a, my dad and mom are very confident people, you know, in their own fields, right? Yep. You know, and they're like, oh, that 
I'm the eldest son. They're like, how can my eldest son be this pussy? Yeah? Yep, <laughs> so, yep. Yep. so what happened was uh, there was this Christmas uh, when I was seven years old. Uh, and then, you know, uh, in the mall, sometimes they have Christmas events. Uh, on, they'll be, have a stage and then kids, uh, they'll be having events for kids, right? So somehow we, I was walking by and then my parents and I, we stood there to watch, right? And then next moment, the, the host was like, okay, we're going to call for volunteers soon to come on stage. Yep. And then my parents looked at me and they were like, oh, by the way, uh, Ben, when they, let's say they ask for volunteer, uh, you better volunteer, you know? Oh, dear. And you better get chosen. Uh. If you don't get chosen, you're not going home. And you know, seven-year-old kid, like, huh? Yep. Mom, what are you doing to me? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, holy shit. And so in that panic, right, when they asked for volunteers, I ran up to the front, like, me, 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 me. And yep. he picked me and then I was walking up and I was having the adrenaline of like, oh, I want to go home. I was being threatened. But at the same time, like, oh my God, I, I, I got stage fright. Yep. But I went on stage and I looked out and I was like, eh, actually, okay lah, not so bad. What, what mm. am I so frightened for? I was on stage and then, oh, this is fine. And then the host was making us play games and doing some fun stuff. And yep. I was like, hey, actually, this isn't too bad. Yep. And yeah, and then when I came down stage, my parents were like, see, okay, well, right. Scared of what? Think you be scared of what? And since then, I think I, that's where I gained my confidence in terms of like public speaking or like yep. just being out there. And so, and so, I mean, before 17 years old, I was never actually in front of any video camera, right? But throughout all my theater work and everything and experience, I guess when I came in front of the camera the first time, I was like, yep, yep, whatever, you know? Yeah. If you want to let people judge me, I don't care. Yeah, because I know most people, I realized, I think in my teenage years that most people are more afraid to be in front of the camera or in front of uh, crowds than in front of it. So most of them who actually comment or judge are usually the ones who are afraid. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm curious to know, how has your process uh, for regards to making a video, how has that changed across the years as you've gotten better, as you've gotten, I guess, more confident mm -hmm. with regards to the kind of content, the kind yeah. of video that you want to put out? How has that changed? Wow, uh, this I've, wow, this is a good question. Has it even changed? I'm just trying to one. I'm just trying to think now. Has it really changed? Because yeah. uh, from the, I guess I mean my skill sets have changed in terms of like you know video quality, yep. audio, and everything, mm. and even my writing. Probably mm -hmm. um, as I discover more and more my voice per se, my voice in front of camera, my voice as a smiling effort as a comedian. Um, I would say that my 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 skills have become sharpened in terms of is even. I would say I've gotten funnier. I don't know. I feel that probably from 17 years old to now, I've definitely gotten funnier and I'm I'm more certain of what content I want to do. Like, uh, and yeah, it's like, if I don't do something, I say no. Last night, I think it was harder for me to say no. Like, mm. I'll just, no, I'll just do everything and then, yeah, you know, if it's not funny, I'll just still post it. But now, no. I only do what I, what fuels me and yeah. 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 So, so that begs the question, mm. what type of content do you want to do? Oh, just a uh, comedy actually. I started, so my main thing I started is just, I only want to do funny videos. Okay. Yeah, but as the years pass, I realized, you know, I've become more of like a personality too. And people enjoy watching me host or just enjoy, you know, um, interviewing me like this. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of just comedy videos, I've moved to like maybe hosting videos or like, uh, it's, still, it's still more in a comedy sense, but it's like not just uh, a skit, you know. Uh, or sketches which is what I really love mm. and uh, the bulk of my videos are that but yep. once in a while you also see like more like uh, hosting videos or me talking about something and then making a joke about it yeah. yeah yeah. do you try to retain so with regards to let's say uh, constructing a sketch or like hosting something or like doing something for a client do you try to retain some semblance of similarity of regards to the style and the presentation or are they all different do you have a different voice for, e for each one of them 
So um, it depends yep. on the gig, right? Uh, I guess I because of my uh, the fact that Smiley Apple is just a nickname. So it gives me a lot of versatility to, to cool. be many different characters yep. also. But yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's not like a necessary act is a different character all the time. Mm. Like I play a different person or whatever, but like people get it, you know, that it's just the smart afro as a, like as if I, you're watching me on stage. I come on stage and it's me, but I play different characters, but you just know it's me. Yeah, yeah it's just somehow my, my, my humor. Yeah, so uh, most clients will like that. They're like, hey, we just want the smiling afro, just being different people, but yes, yeah, there's still a spiny afro. Yep. Not necessarily, oh, you have to play uh, this character, this 40-year-old man, and specifically only grumpy-old man, but yep. I'll play a 40-year-old man, but it's like the spiny afro as a 40-year-old man, like that, that kind of like comedy, yeah. Yeah, so I guess yeah. everything is still channeled through, I guess, your perspective and what you yes. want to do. Yes. Mm. How do you refine that personally? What what inspires you? How 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 do you continuously um, take in inspiration and I guess refine it so that it is your own voice? You mentioned voice, which yep. I feel that it's something um, most creatives will try to find right. and most creatives will seek out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how or what helped you in your journey in finding your own voice? Um, practice, I'll say. You know, um, Actually, I, I have a lot of like comedians that inspire me, like Conan O'Brien, Michael McIntyre, for example. They are louder in life. Uh, they're more personalities than just only comedians. Mm. And so I've always get I'll just watch their how they perform and get inspiration from their styles. But I always you know uh, tell myself that you know I, I can basically imitate, but I have to find my own style. Like mm. uh, what is Swan Afro? And ironically it's very hard to explain my style uh, as opposed to just watching my videos. Is it like seeing, something yeah. intangible? Yeah, I, I, I think so, you know, because like yeah, people ask me sometimes, what's my style? And I'm like, it's hard to explain. It's like when you watch the videos, after a while, you see a sim like there's something maybe similar there and that you can pick out that you enjoy of my content. And you're like, ah, oh, this is my Apple style. Yep. Yeah, but it's in, to explain words, it's so hard to explain. It's gotcha. Like, yeah, because I think comedy is such a wide subject, right? There's no specific, like, oh, I only do this kind of comedy, like so specific, like, oh, I only tell like oh, straight face jokes or something. I do, I try to do a lot of different things as long as it, makes people laugh and it's actually entertaining. Yeah. yeah. So mm. what I find uh, particularly interesting about comedy or I think the craft of comedy, it's it's a two-way thing because you are the performer and you're the one delivering uh, these jokes and these lines and you're, you're playing a character, but you are reliant on the audience as well. The audience has to vibe with it, has to laugh with it. And unfortunately, it's, it is subjective. Humor yes. and comedy is subjective. Yep. So... Since you're based in Singapore, I'm curious to know. Um, is I've I've heard this adage a couple of times where people say that Singapore is the place where comedy comes to die. <laughs> is this something you agree with? You being a practitioner of the craft, like uh, like we're, we're too um uh we're too practical, we're too pragmatic, we're too like uh by the rules that we are unable to to see irony. We're unable to to be a bit flexible with our thinking. That's why we don't understand the comedy or we 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 shun uh, different types of comedy. Yeah. So yeah, I have actually a lot of of opinion on that. You know, to say uh, I understand why people say um uh Singapore is where comedy comes to die, right? Because the I mean. Okay, I, what I've always believed and is what I'm saying that comedy is tragedy plus time, right? Mm. So a lot of places in the world, especially maybe not as, not maybe first world country as Singapore, they, they, there's a lot of like um, 
there may be more suffering or more poor people or, or whatnot, right? And or people growing up, a lot of comedians, they come from like a, a, a sad childhood or a tr- troubling childhood, yep. tough childhood, right? Yep. And that's where they're able to, to turn that suffering into comedy. Mm-hmm. And people laugh at tragedy. Yep. It's something about what we humans do, right? Yep. We just love tragedy, right? Yep. So we laugh at our friends falling down. It's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel that one of the reasons also is because Singapore, we are quite comfortable in general. In general, you know, um, most people have housing over their head, right? So yes, the suffering may not be as intense as a lower class of uh, uh, trouble here may not be as intense as a lower class trouble like let's say India or something, yep. right? And uh, so there's less tragedy to take experiences from. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. And also because we're comfortable when society is comfortable and also because we are very uh, policed in certain terms of like our thoughts and everything and yep. what you can say or cannot say, that um yeah uh, in the end more people will be like oh should I be laughing at that or is it are you can you say that or is it funny they're actually enjoying comedy right? they will look to the left and the right to yeah. see if people are laughing or yeah. they join in but uh, where I come from I, I grew up um in like Christian Brothers School like uh, you know St. Michael St. Pat's everything so the kind of people I hang out with the kind of things we laugh at I think it's also very different the thing about Singapore is I think there's so many different classes and levels of people and we all laugh at different things mm. like and I'm very inspired by British and American humour so when I make jokes, I realize most of the people who understand my jokes are also, they kind of grew up English speaking or watch English shows or they, they love English humor. And so they kind of understand what I'm saying. And also, I, I, I tend to get a lot of like uh, Western or foreign uh, fans because they, can't, they can relate and they understand my joke because they say that it's kind of like Western inspired too. Like mm. the way my, my vocab, maybe, yep. you know, the way I express the joke. And because that's how I grew up, Right. But I think a lot of Singaporeans also like slapstick. Mm. They like the very exaggerated, like uh, if I may say Jack New style comedy, right? The media cop comedy is the very, just like, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it in words, but you know, I assume you've seen a lot of Singaporean comedy also. And it's just very, they like kind of like, it's just in your face. They, or uh, it's just like, oh, they'll fall down right in front of you. And like, ah, you fall down, you know? It's like kind of like that kind of um, humor, yep. right? Which is not my style. Right and but a lot of Singaporeans love that mm-hmm. they 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 kind of find joy in that, um and so and because Singapore is already so small, it's so tough to find the right audience for every, every comedian to find their audience. Yep, yeah, because you never find it as like a vast audience. And not say if, you know Malaysia, Philippines, or even Southeast Asia, our our neighboring countries, they have so many people. Yep. So even if you find your niche, it's still like a lot of people. Yeah, when Singapore finding a niche is like. So little and in the, amongst that so little is how many actually come out to support you or see you, right? So, but I feel that comedy will still have a, or it still has a place in Singapore. It does. It's just finding the right audience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, um, like example, you know, I, I, I love racist jokes. And I'll say, I love racist jokes. Yep. Uh, because it's a joke. And uh, we as guys going out in the army, we bonded with friends over racist jokes, yep. you know? But of course, m- making sure there's a joke, right? Not yep. actually uh, hating on someone else for a different race. Yep. And so I, I I feel that finding the right audience to come and say, hey, we can laugh together yeah. because it's a joke. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's harder to find, but we are, we are around. These Singaporeans, they are around. They are around yeah. somewhere, yeah. It's very yeah. interesting you mentioned the army because that, like especially if if you grew up all your life in Singapore, the army is one of those times where I guess you're forced to be more independent. You're forced to socialize with a group of people that you'd have no no clue who they are. You're forced to go through the shit together, basically. Yep. And it's tough. Yep. Ultimately, going back to what you said about going through tough times and coping with it. 
you mentioned about racist jokes. I'm curious to know, how do you personally toe the line between something that's funny and something that's offensive? Is there like a limit um, that you, I guess, consciously or unconsciously like know when to cross it, when not to cross it? Because the idea of intent, um, it's oftentimes quite um, shrouded. Yeah, you can't you can't really know someone's intent yep. ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I always feel that the moment a comedian's on stage, right, uh, there's a license already to be a joker. Yep. And most of the time, jokes come from truth. Jokes come from a a place of uh, um fact. Mm. That's why we laugh. We laugh because it's true, or we laugh because ah, I can relate to it, mm. right? And a lot of racist jokes come from stereotype. Mm. Yes. Not necessarily trying to bring a race down or trying to insult a race but it comes from stereotype like patterns yeah patterns. occurring patterns yeah yeah and that's why um you know like uh, you know i i uh, give an example you know i i as i'm part chinese right so i have a filipino friend who likes to joke about me eating noodles mm. and and it's not a racist joke to me at all like he jokes about yeah you know i'm sorry we got no noodles for you all the time huh? you know <laughs> yeah it's like then i'm like i, I laugh with it because it's like yeah i love noodles yeah. and i'm chinese yeah. right but I know some friends are like, hey, yeah, hit it, we say it, we receive it. But what's it, why is that racist? Does that, does the, that joke or statement undermine the Chinese culture in, or Chinese people in any way? Mm. No, what? we try to eat noodles, right? right? So you're just referencing a stereotype to joke with me that, hey, sorry uh, that my household don't have noodles, I don't be upset. It's a joke, right? Yeah. And so I feel that, you know, as on, on stage as a comedian, yeah, you know, as long as the joke is referencing on based on stereotype and not like saying, Chinese people stupid love to eat noodles. You know, that's different. That's more. That's more like an attacking statement. Is it the, the yeah. delivery of it? Yes, yeah, the delivery. It sounds so different. Yes, yeah. the delivery, right? Yeah. Like, uh, um, but I, I get. But in that argument, we can go into a lot of other. Uh, we can talk about so many things. Like, oh, if the comedian seems to be an angry kind of comedian, mm. and it's his way, it's his persona to be angry, and that's why he says it in such a way, but he doesn't mean it. Yeah. So it's always case by case. Yeah. But I feel that, um, like you say, intent. It's not to me a comedian on stage. The intent is to make people laugh, yeah, and also to make us think. I always feel comedy is the best uh, place to to make the audience think, because sometimes when we talk, even when we talk about stereotypes, right? For example, the simple statement as noodles, it makes us think like, yeah, we actually try to we love noodles, <laughs> like actually, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, um, if we were to go without noodles for a few days in someone some like a Filipino friend's house, we only rice it, like, yeah, ah, I wonder what I think, yeah, yep. yeah, and I think that's why comedy can be used for like uh, for reflection yeah, yeah. Like, so, like starting difficult conversations yeah, yes like. exactly I love that yeah starting difficult conversations uh, yep. especially we Singaporeans you know I love to make Singaporeans awkward when we ask when we talk about things that people don't like to talk about for example yeah like uh, race right mm. because I say yes um, we may be a racial uh, company uh, a country is it company? Uh, yeah, company. <laughs> is that company, a man, you know, talk, <laughs> No, talk so much about army. Really. Yeah. Uh, my company, uh, we are full of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, we are, yes, we are considered, uh, compared to many other countries, very good in terms of racial harmony already. Yep. But yes, there is still a racism in, on the streets and there's individual people being racist. Yep. And I and we always feel we must talk about it. You know, we must talk to our minority friends and say, hey, how do you? Uh, how are you? Like, uh, what was your le has, uh, latest? Has anyone been racist recently? How do you feel? You know, I want to know because I want to care. You yep. know, I don't want you just uh, keep it to yourself or only amongst within your community. You know, yep. everyone as fellow Singaporeans should talk about it. And yeah, so yeah, sometimes I like to talk about it in like if if it's, let's say in a comedy uh, setting, right? Talk about it and watch people like go. Oh, uh, we mm. talk about this. Uh, don't talk about this. Uh, don't talk about it. Uh, don't yep. talk about it. Talk. We laugh about it, but also think. Right? Hey, it's true. 
right? It's still happening and we need to be aware. Yeah. Right, yeah. We can't be, because I think one of the worst things we could do to something like that is just cover our eyes or like yeah. bury our heads and not care about it at all. Yeah, I mean, there's, people say there's two ways to handle it, right? It's either you don't talk about it and maybe, yeah, then there'll be less talk about racism or if we speak about it up front and then we so that everyone's aware yes and we all aware yep yep this happening and uh, yeah so no matter how yeah. uncomfortable it might feel yeah. like, because yeah. I think ultimately speaking something like this when no one is speaking it does feel a little bit uncomfortable yep yep but I feel the example like people on stage or comedians or whatever they we have that so called responsibility maybe to bring out this conversation because I know most people don't dare say yeah but so you let the comedians say and then that's where everyone discuss right yep. yeah so you mentioned something quite interesting, which is it provokes people to think mm-hmm. and to think about difficult topics and difficult conversations. What I'm curious to know is in, in recent memory, has there been a comedian that did the same to you about something that um, you might not have been aware of or you might have been ignorant about, but um, perhaps a comedian through just watching them perform, it kind of changed your, it, it, it started to, to change your perspective on something. Uh yeah, actually I'll say maybe last year actually, um Bill Burr. Yeah. Right. He's um so I've always been I never really cared or not not saying I never really cared, but I've you know the for a long time the you know feminism and like uh female equality and equal yep. pay, for example, right? Uh it's never been I don't really talk about it much, people, because to me just like okay, you know, uh, not my topic, right? Yep. But Bill Burr mentioned something about uh uh, the World Cup, the fe- the women's World Cup team. Um, I forgot her name, but the famous the 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 famous player that became she became very famous after the World Cup. She was American uh, player and she had like uh, pink hair, blah blah blah. Yep. Uh, so she came out and said, "Hey, um, she used basically her platform to say, hey, our women should get equal pay football than men.' Yep. And at the point of time, I, I just heard it on the side, so I was like, "Yeah, you know, I guess yeah, I see her point." But Bilber said, "Hey, you know, it's um." She makes it about men. She makes it uh, sexist. But it's not, you know, the reason why men are getting paid so much more is because tickets are being sold. People are watching all over the world in the millions and the millions globally. Yep. Not many people are watching women's football. So that's why you cannot get paid as much. There's no, where's the money coming from? <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. So in the end, it gave me insight. See, that's, I was amazed. I see Bill Burr using his comedic sense to also make people realize, hey, it's not always about, you know, um, it's not always sexism or not always racism you know it's common sense yeah. it's logic you know and it's, it's not because they 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 the the federation are like oh you we are women so we pay you less because you are a woman no it's just the business side yep yeah so that's you know i got inspired by that actually i said yeah you know when i eventually do stand up comedy one day i do want to bring up all these kind of like topics like and yep. share you know it's yeah make fun of it but also hey but this is the truth right yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. so with regards to let's say doing stand-up, I guess writing, um writing comedy, writing jokes. Pardon my ignorance, but do you feel like everything has been done before? And how how do you stay fresh? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think honestly, like in, in our generation now, 2023, right? I'll say 95% of jokes have already been done. There's every style you can think possible. Yeah. Right, has been done. It's just, especially now in the age of social media, there's yep. so many things people share or so many things shared down there. So there's so many videos already that sometimes I find when it, when I come out, I remember a few times in my life for the past five years, I will come up with an idea. I, I was a hey, great idea. I'll film it, I'll do it. And someone say, hey, someone else has also mm. done it already. But I've never seen it before. Yep. Which I also argue, is that plagiarism? Because I've never seen it before. Yep. Right. And then, 
there's been actually a lot of discussion uh, online actually among comedians, among creators even. They're saying, hey, you know, we've reached a point where you can't really uh, create something without knowing, uh, without having an inspiration from somewhere else already. Yeah. Everything's inspired, you know, and I remember even the case of Ed Sheeran saying, you know, music, we've come so far, Spotify, whatever, YouTube, there's a new song upload, new songs upload every day. Yeah. So, but how many times can, uh, of all the notes we have, the limited notes we have and, and melodies, yeah. can we, can we the, like- um, The configurations. Yeah, are, how yeah. many, you can't already, yeah. right? Um, so you can't go around because you're saying people uh, some artists from 19 a song from 1990 was suing him for yep. the almost similar sound like yep. but yeah you hear the music you can hear it but it's not exactly the same but you can hear it so yep. how can you sue the guy and same for comedy right like I can make a joke in almost similar way as somebody else but I'm using different references and he can come and say hey I also use that kind of like template mm. but I'm like hey I mean but but it's, it's a different person saying it, you know, and I'm saying it in my own reference and my own style, you know, and uh, yeah. So, writing for me, most of the, most of my jokes I, I written is based on, a lot of it based on uh, personal experience. Mm. Like, I, something happened to me, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make it in a skit. Or like, my friend talked about something, I was like, oh, that happened to you. Oh, okay, it's going to be inspiration for a skit. Uh, yeah, but I know probably somewhere, some in this world, somewhere in another country, someone might have experienced the same thing and made it into a skit too. But the only difference is, Spiny Apple is doing his own version. Yeah. I would imagine it's very difficult for you to cognitively tell your brain, hey, I want this as an inspiration. I want that. You're just taking in everything yep. and your brain is just doing it. Yep. I like this. I want to turn this into something. Yep. I want to turn that into something. Yeah, I just want to create. Yeah. And uh, example, one of my most viral videos on TikTok, right? Um, I, I got inspired from uh, a Spanish person, a Spanish movie or something. Mm -hmm. And I just took it and I, I changed the words to based on my reference of how I would say it and I did it and then people were like hey uh, I think some other Spanish guy did it and then someone was like no some other German guy also did it long time ago and I was like guys it's just it's just it's, it's literally a 15 second yeah. joke it's a 15 <laughs> second joke and I'm pretty sure someone has done it before but you know I'm not I'm not I'm not saying I stole it and I'm not I'm not unhappy if someone else does it after me you know, to me it's just it's sharing the joy yeah. and whatever it is in my face on the video that's me it's my content done yeah how has your role um changed throughout the years which you, from from when you started Smiling Afro to now? Has it uh stayed mostly the same or uh has it changed pretty drastically? Because you mentioned you started a company, I would assume with certain types of growth, um, there comes a point where you can't just handle everything yourself. You have to right. outsource a little bit of the yeah. work. Yeah. How has how has your role changed? So when I began, I did everything actually from the producing, conceptualizing the video, the idea all the way to filming, acting. So I had to film and act at the same time and to editing you know and now uh, my dream actually was to open uh, to, I mean to to basically expand my team yeah. full timers but thank goodness I didn't do it because a pandemic hit mm. and if I did it I saw all the overheads I had to yep. cover and the office rentals so I was like you know what blessing these guys yep. but I, I I still had a dream yep. but as the when during the pandem pandemic you know I kind of like uh, I got into TikTok and I kind of like blew up there and so um, um, 9 by 16 videos and short videos were the in thing and it was working for me so I was like okay I do more of that so my direction kind of changed but right now so I'm just riding that wave still yep um, I have basically I work with a bunch of freelancers mm. so mostly producers and um, editors and videographers to take the weight of my 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 work basically yep. and so and the fact that I work with freelancers I'm happier because you know it's by gig and I don't yep. have to worry about you know overheads and blah 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 yep um yeah, so that's where I'm currently at now. Every gig, um, on a case by case basis, yep. uh, I'll, I'll hire the respective uh, freelancers I need, 
but I still do have that dream of expanding a team so I can do bigger videos um, back to long form, longer form videos and creating just skits and sketches which I really love yep. yeah so and also in terms of my role I feel that I guess over the years the more and more I grow as a brand uh, the, the, I have more responsibility in the industry too like people Interesting. Are, people are asking me also hey can you can you do a course and teach young aspiring people like you know or share them your how you how you do what you do and I feel wow suddenly I'm getting to a stage where it's not just me doing my content but I have the responsibility to share and give back <laughs> Um, to younger aspiring people yeah how does it yeah. feel like when someone tells you something like that that oh are you able to share to people who might be looking up to you and you have that I guess that responsibility when uh, previously in the conversation you just mentioned oh, I was just doing it I was just trying it out does it feel okay does it feel like you're an imposter sometimes do you get that feeling right. yeah well it's funny because on the way here I was thinking about my friend telling me the other day that he had imposter syndrome okay and I was, I was talking to myself Literally, you know, on the way here, I was yeah. like, hey, I've never had imposter syndrome. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, think, why? Ah? And I remember because when I, before I started officially in 2018 to say, okay, I'm going to have a channel. I'm going to put all my comments there. I actually meditated for almost a month. So I like, sit on it and say, hey, because when I know, and I know when I put myself out there, online videos, there's no turning back. Yep. It's going to be on internet forever. Yep. Forever. People can download it, they'll keep it. I will never be able to delete every video <laughs> in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. I told myself, if I'm gonna do this, there cannot be there, uh, there cannot be any regret. Mm. You know, and I have to go and it's only forward. And I'm gonna be proud of every video I do and stand up for myself, stand up for my brand. They're gonna be haters. Yep. They're gonna be judgmental people, but never let them change who I am. Yep. I told myself that so I, I, I say, okay, I'm gonna meditate on that and to make sure I'm ready. Yep. And I'll never turn back, you know, and be proud of everything I do and build it from the bottom up. And so that, ah, that's I realized that's why I never had imposter syndrome because I appreciated every point in my life where I was. Even in the presence of people who are, have been doing this longer than me or more successful, bigger, whatever, you know, I'm like, I never felt like, oh, I, I shouldn't be here. And I always felt, you know what? I want to be like them. I'm going to aspire to be like them. Yeah. So I've never actually felt that imposter. And when people came come up to me and asked me, hey, we really want you to share because we love what you do. We are quite inspired I'm all the more like I'm happy I'm like oh, is it good for me to know that I've reached a certain stage in my career or you know my brand that people do look up and it's comforting for me and I do want to share I, yeah. I mean I've always respected my teachers and mentors and I do always say to myself that hey one day I want to be like that you know I yeah. help inspire I was gonna I have three mm. tangents to go on. First one, mm. you mentioned mentor. I'm curious to know with that meditation and I guess arriving at this particular mindset, was it because of something someone said, something that right. you saw or right. was it all, I guess in a sense, internal? You 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 didn't really, uh, you, weren't, you, weren't, you weren't able to actually conceive of what it was, but you just felt it. Yeah, I'm curious right. to know that. Okay. So the reason why for it took me so long to start the channel is because I was so afraid of uh, comments and judgment. I hate mm. it. I hate criticism and everything for pure time. I just cannot, I don't really deal with it very it well. It seems like an internal tug yeah. of war, yeah? Yeah, very. And that's why I, I took, it took me so long. Like I've seen so many people on YouTube, wow, they're, you know, um, you know, during the beginning days starting their YouTube channels. I was like, I can do this too because mm. I have video skills, everything. I, I love to be in front of camera, but I was, I couldn't find the balls, you know. I was like, oh, if I do it, oh, people are going to see a thing and I can't take it because I've seen the comments on other people's channels, right? I'm like, damn, you know. And I was like, so okay, I just made excuses. Ah, no, like, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'll just work in the industry and just have a normal life, you yeah. know. Just be behind the camera. Yeah, basically. just behind, yeah. And so, ironically, the disappointment of not being able to work in England 
London, I kind of channel it, you know, the disappointment to, you know what? You know, I want to be more than just where I am now. Mm. You know, I want to conquer my fear of um, criticism and rejection and whatnot uh, and judgment. And I'm like, I want to make my channel, but I want, and I've decided, okay, how I'm going to conquer this like a rejection or I mean, criticism is to take it with a pinch of salt, but also try to read where it comes from. But my, 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 my mantra is never, ever attend to it. Like, there's always stupid comments, right? But my words never reply. Because when I reply, I'll go down a rabbit hole. It <laughs> will never end. argue with them and whatever. Yeah. It will never end. The thing is that most of the time, these people will never suddenly, oh, you're right. Mm. It will just never end. You will dig end. deeper. You yeah. will dig deeper, yeah. And nothing's going to come out of it. Yep. Right? So, of course, for the past five years, I can count with one hand that I have some, I replied some because <laughs> I'm probably in a bad mood that day or there's maybe they something really ticked me off. Yep. But, you know, most... 90, 99% of the comment I never ever reply I let it be yep. in fact I'm grateful because every comment now is engagement <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's yeah, true yeah 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 so um, and, but it's even more comforting to see sometimes my fans will defend me mm. and they'll go and say oh, okay, and if you're not happy just whatever you know and yeah so that's um, yeah that's why I had to meditate you yep. know like to myself okay because I'm going to get hit on by all this uh, criticism and I'm just going to stand strong and don't reply. Yeah. And just do what I do best. Yeah. yeah. Have you had any mentors that I guess helped you with regards to your, your journey as a, as a comedian and as a... Yeah. Actually, as a comedian, no. Mm. Um, I've had mentors like in school and even my boss when I was interning in a production house who yeah. kind of pushed me, I, I would say pushed me in a direction to lead me to where I eventually... Uh, am now uh, am, yeah. how uh, so like example even for my school um, in like La Salle I wanted to be a director but my, my mentors they all pushed me hey you have more skills as a producer you like to organize you like to you're very organized um, you just like make sure things are fine yep. so from being a director they pushed me to being a producer and that's where mm. I found my skills yep, yep. which very well, important to very what important you're doing because yeah. I, I manage everything right yep. um, my finances and whatever and managing shoots and everything and it's because I kind of like, they, they kind of like push me to like, hey, t- think about producing more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I'm very grateful for that. And even my boss, uh, in, when I was uh, interning for Production House, I would say he, he kind of showed me the ropes of running uh, a production business, yep. right? which kind of like gave me all the experience and he, he brought me on to client meetings. So I, f- I saw how client meetings went. So I now I'm, I work with my own clients, right? And, and it, even so, I was enjoying my internship ship so much because this was before my uni my yeah. I went back to La Salle for my degree actually before I went back I said hey I, I, I enjoyed this six month internship so much I want to just stay and work full time mm-hmm. yep. and my boss said no he will not allow me to because I'm still young I don't have a degree go and study because you will never regret your uni life meeting new friends and just being young and just enjoying that, that part of your life right? that's very interesting yeah he said no I'm not going to let you so I'm going to force you to go back to school, get your degree, have the plus of the time, study. Um, because you say these connections you make, they are priceless in the future. Mm. And I was like, wow, I never thought he would say it to me. Yeah. And I immediately just went back to school. I, I, I applied back to school. And true enough, you know, because of the experience I had uh, in school, meeting friends, honing my skills, eventually leading to my one-year degree, master's degree in London, which I... The blast of time, open my eyes to ex- experiences, and eventually coming back to Singapore and like because of the disappointment of coming back, yep. 
2004 was born officially. Yeah. 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 So my last tangent is Mm -hmm. assuming you're not a robot (laughs) and assuming that you have emotions and they fluctuate. I'm curious to know, has there been um, periods of of running the Smiling Afro and being the Smiling Afro that I guess failure felt imminent that there is this, oh fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe this will not succeed. Has Has there been instances like that? Yep. 2020. Okay. When the first lockdown happened, mm. actually even before a lockdown, when the pandemic was happening, yeah. uh, I got a lot of clients who were like pulling out budgets because mm. you know marketing budgets are always the first budget to get pulled, right? Yeah. So I was losing clients. Uh, jobs being cancelled. Yep. I was like, oh wait, where's my income going? Yep. Um, and I had a retainer client also, who's who like pulled out. Mm. Like, sorry, we can't do the long-term relationship anymore, which yep. I rely heavily upon for constant income. Yep. And suddenly, pandemic, uh, I mean, lockdown happened and for about two to three months, I had no gigs. Mm. And I was being bombarded by third parties also, like, oh, is this sustainable? Mm. What do you do with a life? Oh, everything. Yep. So that didn't help. Yep. Uh, but I also had very supportive parties, like, don't worry, Ben, you'll make it through this. You know, hold on. Um, and yeah, so that was a very dark period of me, uh, my time. Like, hey, you know, I was doing well. Mm. I was running forward and now, like, wow, where is this money ever going to go? Yep. I so I worked so hard for this, you know, I did a lot of, I made a lot of plans and yeah. and thank goodness on, uh, I think on the fourth month or third, just at the end of the third month, I received my first client gig. So hey, um, and blah blah blah. Um, yeah, we think. Uh, can we work together? I said, wow, people still are thinking of me, and yeah. So that was when. Okay, you know, I I told myself, okay, that was that was a crazy three months. It was a very depressing three month dark period, but I'm gonna use this uh, latest um client gig and then climb back up. Yep, and adapt, adapt to the new uh environment. Uh, in the media world, yep. uh, right, social world, and like social media world, and see how I can push my business forward. Yeah. And so, end of twenty twenty, beginning of twenty twenty one was a lot of like experimenting and mm. TikTok and whatnot and content, because I I used to do like two three minutes videos, and now mm. every and now I do from as 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 low as twelve seconds, all the way up, right. Yep. And um yeah, and somehow that kind of like uh, it, it bore fruit. Yep. And yeah. And uh, that I'm I'm doing okay now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm happy. I'm, I'm just on a going up tangent. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to know what keeps you grounded um in the midst of um content creation, running a business, being a being in front of a camera, talking to people. What 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 keeps you grounded? Well, um honestly, just my I mean how I what I do to de stress is just hanging out with the people who really support me. Yeah, like uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to say I've, I've some family members, mm. relatives, and good friends who, they are very, very supportive. Yep. Like they were, so I just meet up with them, and they always just, like, give you encouraging words, and always just say, hey, you know, I'm rooting for you, and that kind of like, um, it's like my refresher. Yep. It's like uh, that's where yeah, my recharge. I said, mm-hmm. no refresher. My recharge is when I'm with my supportive friends. Yep. And because I also care about their business and careers, and so we, we kind of like we kind of exchange like uh, it's like charging each other each other up, you know. Yep. Yeah. And through it sounds pretty words, genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Through honest words and uh, over a drink. Yep. You know and uh, yeah. So it's those actually I look forward every couple of weeks to those moments in my with these people in my life and yep. like hey how we how is how's everyone in our life now and we share and we're like okay you know what I'm rooting for you yep and yeah it's so mm. it's interesting you mentioned that because what I would imagine since 
you initially wanted to grow the the business and I guess everything to a point where you can have full-time stuff. But because of COVID and whatever, you you had to just do everything yourself. And I can imagine it to be a very lonely experience. Sometimes you have to do everything yourself. You are shooting yourself, you're editing yourself, you're just putting it out into the ether. And <laughs> I guess looking at comments and people commenting, but it's not a physical interaction. Do you feel like that sometimes? Um so the funny thing is that I'm a very social guy, so I love. I can't tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I love to be around people because people give me um, most of my inspirations are from people. Yeah, right. And uh, why I do this is to make people laugh. So mm. I have to be people, right? Yeah, but actually, uh, during my journey, I never really felt lonely mm. because in the end, although the content creation part, maybe the production part, maybe lonely, but I know once I release it, many people are gonna enjoy it. And that's where I uh, that's what I look forward to the most, actually. Yeah. yeah. But so actually, yeah. So in the past few years, since maybe twenty eighteen and twenty twenty, I I never really felt lonely. But now when I work with freelancers, all it's just it's nice, right? It's just nice to have someone witness with me as I produce the content. Yeah. And I guess it's yeah. nice to have someone to respond to you when you speak to yes. them. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can curse and swear the computer you're on, but the computer's not gonna yes. <laughs> say yes. back and, anything. And and I do like the the cameraman or the producer on set because I do like to ask, so what do you feel? You know, uh, because sometimes they'll give back, hey, but this is not, remind me, they keep me grounded, they keep me grounded mm. in a sense because it's like, hey, but Ben, are you sure this is you? Is this really you? Then I'm like, oh yeah, you know, you know I can see something else. Yeah. And so it's easier for the external voice than the voice in my head sometimes. Yep. Yeah. So in, in, in working with different people and I guess different people, they have different opinions, they have uh, differing perhaps production and artistic ideals. Have you realized what kind of a, a, a producer and even like a boss you are? Have you realized that? Actually, from young, I've, I, after doing my, you know, few internships and yeah. growing up in the industry in school, I've actually witnessed bosses in the media industry and I've learned from them and I say, and I know what kind of boss I want to be. Mm. What kind and is that? And so for me, it's just chill. You know, myself. Like, uh, work is work, but always to remember to have fun on at work, like, you know, because this is all my whole branding, right? Mm. Uh, but also know when to like, hey, you know, um, we got to do this, got to be serious. And also one main thing is to never cheat people of money. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess slogan, or not slogan, like a mantra, right? they never cheat people of money. What do you mean yeah, by because that? Because I've seen it so much in the industry, especially mm. in the media industry. So every time, you know, uh, when before any gig starts, I, I, I will be upfront. Okay, this is the budget. This is what I have. Are you okay with it? Let me know now. When we agree, means we agree, I will never ask for lower or less mm. or more. So I'm always upfront with money at the beginning. Yeah. And I said, yeah, this is this is what I have. Uh, okay. And I don't want you, if you don't want it, don't take it. But yes, you know, um, I'm upfront because I've known, I've seen many companies not upfront with yeah. me. And only a little one actually, you know, or like us. And I, I hated it when I was growing up. I said, I don't want people to feel that. I want people to, I want people to remember me as a, hey, you know, money is never a problem when we work together. Yeah. And I guess it's yeah. that, that, um, the idea of this transparency and accountability, mm -hmm. like you're 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 just very upfront about it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. I think the money amount, the amount doesn't really matter as much. But you're just very transparent with yes the people that you work with. Yes, I also want the people I work with to know that they can come to me and be upfront. Anything like hey, um, this issue that issue. I just want you want it to be an open conversation. Yeah, supposed to ah, I can't talk to the boss. You know, I can't talk to the the guy who hired like you know. Mm. And yeah, because I also feel it won't be on brand now. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. you mentioned previously about um, I guess 
meeting friends to to talk and to converse about mm. interesting thing about about different stuff. And I think you you mentioned the word real friends and I guess genuine friends yep. along that lines. Yeah, I'm curious to know. Um, has the the shot to fame and I guess the being being like a public figure has it attracted or has it I guess uh open your eyes to what um perilous things fame might bring that you might not have expected. Well, I kind of expected a few things. Like uh, I know there'll be fake people and fake friends who will come and mm. appear out of nowhere, mm. who want to uh, oh, what's the word for it? Um, hop on the the train, right? Uh, and I've seen it over the past few years, right? Yep. And some have left, you know. Um, but I, I I can't say I did not expect it, but I've always told myself to be wary yep. and to be to be aware of who these people are you know yep. and but also one thing is to I think I've done very well I will say is to not let it get to my head fame because mm. I've seen friends change when fame hit them but I, I'm I'm happy to say that you know when every once in a while I do ask my friends say hey you have to let me know if fame or money got to my head you know because I when I started in even in doing the meditation as I mentioned right I said remember never change never change or worse or never change for like uh, like just being arrogant or being yeah too cool for school kind of attitude <laughs> you know like yeah always be the same guy yep. it's just the same guy but more people know who you are yep. <laughs> yeah 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 but I would imagine the funny thing about that is if the more popular you get and I guess the more power you accrue it's it's difficult for people to even voice or it, it's I would imagine it's difficult um, if you don't create the circumstances for people to even give their opinions about you to to keep you in check, right? Do you feel something like that? Uh, for my close friends, I I will say no. Okay. Yeah. The good thing, I guess, why we are close friends because they can like a hey, Ben, you know. I think no, like you know, like like to come up to me, but say to say they well, I mean, then again, they never really actually said to me that oh, I've I'm, I've gone off track. <laughs> so it's hard to say whether is it because I maybe I have and they just don't want to say it to me. Yeah. Or I really haven't, you know. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, the only thing I've based on a statement noticed is that I do have maybe some friends who I've not caught up in a while, and they say, "Ah, yeah, yeah it must be you're so famous, lah. So you don't care about me anymore. You're so famous, lah. No, I cannot ask you anything anymore." Then I'm like, "Hey, you, but you know who I am, lah. I'm not like that, you know. You can message me anytime, yep. you know. So whether a joke or not, I I do think about it sometimes. That like, oh, okay, I maybe some people really do feel that the more famous I get, it's like oh, they cannot talk to me anymore. Yep. Or like, oh, this guy is like, oh, he won't answer me lah. I'm not, I'm nothing, you know. Yep. But I always try to remind people out there, you know, if you're listening to this, hey, you know, I'm still the same, you know, still the same Ben, you know, growing up. The guy who cares, you know, about his friends, um, whether or not we've caught up for a long time, right? You know, I've not changed, right? Whether or not famous or not, yeah. Why is it important, um, for you to retain, um, this sense of humility? Because it, it is, I've been like that since, I've since I've known yep. myself. You know, um, a family being brought up by my mom and dad, the family values yep. and the values I had just growing up and experiences I had, you know, uh, through my eyes. Yeah. And I said, you know, I've always been this guy uh, and I will bring it into my brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So throughout the episode, you mentioned about, I guess, wanting to make people laugh. Yeah. What I'm curious to know is what makes you laugh? Wow. Uh well but the comedians I guess that I, I respect you yeah. know uh 
like the ones I mentioned, for example, Conor O'Brien, McIntyre, Bill Burr. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, they, their style of comedy makes me laugh. Um, and sometimes just, you know, sitting down with good friends and reminiscing the past and the stupid things we did, <laughs> you know, over a drink and just thinking about, yeah, just yeah, revisiting the fun times or the times that made us laugh together or stupid, you know. Yep. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that makes me laugh. Like, yeah. 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 Um, I, I find myself actually, the more I'm in doing comedy or the, the older I get, like, I'm laughing less Oh no! at things I used to laugh when I was very young, like stupid slapstick things. Right? I don't laugh anymore. Yeah. Because I think doing comedy was so long, I kind of like, I study comedy so much, you know, I think about comedy so much. I When I watch a stand-up comedy show, I'm not just watching a stand-up comedy show, but I'm like, ah, interesting style, yep. interesting choice of words. Oh, that I, oh, I felt he could have done it another way. Mm. It's a tad bit funny. See, I'm, I've become that, right? Yep. You know, uh, same thing when I started studying film, right? I, I don't watch films and enjoy the story anymore. I'm thinking about every shot, every dialogue, you yeah. know, every text. Why it means like, and yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, or like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. He decided to change the shot this time. Oh, I see why he did it. It's like... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I found myself laughing less and actually thinking more, but... I mean, yeah, I've actually had friends, you know, tell me, oh, Ben, I just told you, you're not laughing. You say, actually, yeah, it's funny, but I'm not laughing because I'm thinking. <laughs> Think about it, like, hey, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but doesn't that pose a little bit of an exis- existential threat as uh, a craftsperson? Because you're kind of losing that, that innocence initially of of um, taking the joke, I guess, as a consumer, like, as a... And not thinking so much. And you're not... You're not yeah. It seems like you 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 kind of peek behind the curtain and you know you're more aware of how something like that is created. You kind of lose that innocence with regards to oh, just hearing for the film, laughing and, and right, just yeah. having that a bit of like, the energy. Well, I guess it's a sacrifice right? because I, I, I'm doing this full time. Yeah. Right, it's 24-7. So my brain has just, I'm just, I think I'm conditioned. I'm used to it already. It's 24-7 mm. just thinking. Yep. But I guess you can safely say that when you see me laugh, you know, yeah, I must be thinking it's really damn fucking funny. So... <laughs> Okay, right. so it's not so, all yeah. methodical. Yeah, it's not yeah, all thought yeah. out. Uh. Yeah, so yeah, it's kind of a point where I just catch myself laughing. They're like, oh yeah, that means actually quite funny. Yeah, that means that's why I'm laughing so much because yeah, yeah, yeah. So for regards to you mentioned TikTok, you mentioned social media. Um, what to what extent do you try to put what you want to do and what you want to say into the the stuff that you create, or do you try to to I guess pander to uh, what you would think will be successful on these particular platforms. I'm curious oh, to know okay. the, the artistic intent that yes. you have and yes. what you find funny uh, versus, I guess, the brand that you've created, yep. the, I guess, yep. the catalog of content. Yeah, because mm. what I find uh, pretty interesting um, looking at, let's say, band and looking at artists, creatives, sometimes style is not that good of a thing because you trap yourself within this confines of, mm. oh, I have to create like this because of my fans, because of my community, mm. my, my buyers mm. and whatever. Mm. And if you deviate, you kind of have the uncertainty, hey, will people like this? Yeah. Right. Yeah, great question actually because same thing doing a meditation. I told myself, nope. So a powerful I, meditation yeah. session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's about a month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I told myself, hey, all my content on my channel is going to be I create. It's going to be how I see fit, when I want to post it, whenever. Mm. It's, uh, I would say, of course, there's still 20% audience thought in it, but 80% is because I find it funny, I like it, I post. Mm. Because I want the followers to be people who say, you know what, I like this guy's content, I like his style, I'll follow, and I want to see 
anything he makes. It's because I enjoy, you know. I don't care whether he'll suit it to me, mm. but I, you know, I just enjoy anything he makes. And so every content you see me post is most of the time it's not to pander to, oh, maybe this audience will like it mm-hmm. more. Yes, no, it's it's because I like it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm very strict with that, um, because I can easily, I guess, you know do things only for the audience and get a lot of followers and everything but I feel I will lose my identity mm. I just become a character who is trying to please an audience as opposed to the character being a brand yeah have you felt like that before and you kind of had to course correct um no I don't think so okay yeah, I don't think I've ever felt that I posted something only because I had to please anybody okay yeah only client work, like client work is very <laughs> client work is client specific, work. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, with regards to you mentioning your audience, um, what do you want your audience to to I guess walk away with? Let's say when they view your content, or even like a shot, or like through a reel, what do you want your audience to walk away with? Is it just laughs? Is it just laughter? Yeah. Um. So, when I started, also I I said I wanted to make videos that make people think. Is it that meditation session as well? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was trying not to mention it because I knew you're going to say the oh, meditation again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, I always felt that um, I don't want to just create mindless stories, uh, mindless content. Mm. Like, and, but I think because I've, I've really been so conditioned to doing and thinking that way that yep. I don't even think about it anymore. But once in a while, people do say to me, say, hey, Ben, I want to let you know that I really enjoy your content. Not because you only, not only because you make us laugh, but because you know, I I tend to think after that about your about after your video, I think like, hey, yeah, I've been in that situation before. Like, yeah. what would I have done? For example, you know, amongst other questions they ask themselves, and uh, and the, the latest someone told me this was in January actually. Recently mm. had a conversation. Hey, Ben, so let you know that you know, uh, and they're Canadian, right? So that we I I watch your videos when I'm in Canada, and I laugh and I also think. Yeah. And uh, it hit me because, oh yeah, you know, I haven't thought of that for a while. Um, but yeah, I've been so used to it where I just make my content and realize that and people will just automatically just view it and oh shit, uh, yeah, I, I, there's some t- uh, reflection to be done here. And yeah, so, and that's why I think also the beautiful thing, beautiful thing about comedy or my kind of comedy is it's a lot of situational comedy, it's a lot of mm-hmm. observational comedy and it's a lot of things that we all can relate to. And eventually, Yep, I, I want people to take away laughs and also maybe learn something. Yeah. If possible. Yeah. You know. And on the tangent with regards to your type of content, it revolves a lot around the Singaporean identity, Singaporean antics, yes. and I guess what you perceive them to be. Yes. Um, was this always the uh, the intent of, was this always the vision? Or did did it meander along the way and you realize, right. hey, this is quite oh, funny okay. and I can I can dig more and can go into it? Right. So basically um, when I started, I felt that, you know, I didn't want to just do Singapore content or general content. I, I felt that as a Singaporean, and, and I'm a proud Singaporean, uh, I I, w- I would do Singaporean content, but also as a proud, like, uh, a writer or content creator, I want to do content that's also general because I, I feel that I, I want to share the world, yeah. right? So I, I do a mix of both. Um, sometimes uh, my content will be either just general comedy or specific, Singapore-specific comedy. But of course, I realized in the early days that when it's very Singapore specific or Southeast Asian relatable, it gets it might go viral. It might it might get big because like, firstly, people are like, hey, this guy Singaporean, got, there's a Chinese face Afro, and so it just goes viral. And also, people enjoy my writing. And of course, I've been asked many times, hey, why not you just do Singapore content? Since people say, but I said, no, that's not my branding, not my decision. Mm. I will still do Singaporean content and a mixture of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, we still do say on TikTok, my Singapore, my early Singaporean content on TikTok was the one that got me sudden sudden fame mm. uh, and helped me basically get my brand out there. Yeah. But I'm, like I said, I still do not just only do Singaporean content. I do a mixture. Yeah, yeah gotcha. So let's dive a little bit deeper on that. Yeah. At this point in time, how would you define this nebulous thing called Singaporean content? Yeah. There's been a lot of conversation about what yep. Singapore is, the mm, Singapore identity, mm, but mm. I'm curious to know, how would you define it? Singaporean content, I guess, is basically anything related to culture mm. in this country. Yep. But be it how we talk, speak, walk, um, the things we say, um, the things we experience in, in Singapore, and of course, mostly uh, a lot of like Singlish content. Uh. Yep. Yeah. That's what, that's what I feel, yeah. This Singapore content. Yep. Say, yeah. Interesting. Mm. And... I'm curious to know what do you find amusing about Singapore? So Singlish has been one of the things that have all has always uh, amused me. Why? Because it's something that we all understand, mm. but we didn't learn Singlish at all. We've never learned Singlish. That's fair. And see, the if you think about Singapore, maybe a small country, but yeah, it's still very big mm. because Singlish originated from really our great grandparents' <laughs> time when they were just talking. Yep. But you see, imagine kampongs were everywhere, the whole country, north, south, east, west, and the central, right? But not, you know, in those days, not say everybody could meet everybody, but yet somehow everyone seems to seem to have agreed on a certain way to speak and slangs. Somehow, like I, I used to reflect, like, hey, you know, I grew up, you know, my growing up when up to maybe primary school, it's only like just homeschool, homeschool, go out with family, out homeschool, just all. But yet everybody will be able to speak in a certain slang together mm. or oh, we kind of understand it and we just spoke it yep. you know maybe a bit of help with of uh, with under one roof and a yep. bit of Singapore <laughs> or, yep. but then again it's like somehow all everyone outside spoke somehow the same way you know of course and even Singlish there's many levels right there's a very intense English levels and also there's like the not um, the bit of mix, mix of uh, English with Singlish you know more English speaking Singlish so yeah, I've always been amazed with Singlish. That's why I love to make Singlish content because I feel that that really um, Singlish is uh, something that I'm really that really um, represents my identity as a Singaporean. Yeah. Because a long time ago, I was having uh, I had like a identity crisis about what being a Singaporean means. Yeah. Like what does it mean? And I'm Eurasian, so you know, imagine doing a racial harmony day. I don't have an, uh, a costume to wear because Chinese costume, Indian costume, the Malay costume, right? The others costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The others costume, which is jeans and a white shirt. <laughs> Okay, which basically everyone wears dead before National Harmony Day. So I'm like, Preset basically, one. Yeah, yeah, basically normal day. Yeah. <laughs> Preset one. Yeah. And I had a daddy crisis growing up because I went for this cultural exchange and I was like, everyone had their cultural exchange and I came to Singapore, all right, present yourselves and we, my group sang, we are Singapore. And it's so cheesy, you yeah. know? And I, I got confused and I went to ask myself, what is it? And I remember talking to some people and they were like, hey, you know, what kind of language are you speaking? Because it's, I hear English, but in a weird accent, but there's mm. some other words. I said, oh, it's English. And I said, oh, so cool. And that's when it hit me that, hey, yeah, only we speak English. And I remember once traveling, I was very young to Italy and then we overheard another bunch of guys speaking and it was English and we immediately know, hey, our people. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, wow. That really hit me like, you know what? That's my identity. Singlish represents who I am. It yep. represents the uniqueness of Singapore. And that's why I love to make content and I'm very proud of Singlish. Yeah. What I really like about what you said is like there is this acknowledgement and I guess the word is ownership. There's this ownership of, I guess, your Singaporean identity because I believe um, maybe in the 2010s that there's been this, 
I guess this movement or this campaign to actually just stop using Singlish, yep. like promoting like <laughs> proper English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you experience that? And you come to a point and it's like, fuck it, I'm just gonna own it really. Because it's like this idea of ownership is very powerful and very empowering. Yeah. yeah. So I think during the campaign days, I, I mean, I only all I remember was seeing on our buses, you yeah. know, the speak good English yes. movement and then they'll put two different uh, sentences, yep. the co- English one and then the correct version. But I, I, I just looked at it and I didn't care. I didn't feel like, because I think I was very young, so it didn't really like, affect me. I st- my friends and I were just speaking as long as we understood each other. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, uh, when I started like really embracing the Singlish language uh, in terms of in con- my content, this is when I started to think about the Speak Good English movement again. Mm. And I was like, hey, because, oh, how, and I went to research how has it evolved and yeah, the government stance is different now. Mm. So yeah, we take pride in English now. Yep, we, we're not going to do that Speak English, Good English movement anymore. It was yep. a thing of the past. And I got very happy. And I'm like, yeah, uh, it's nice that it's, it's acknowledged that we Singaporeans have our own so-called slang language, right? Yeah. And um, uh, like I said, like, you know, uh, the Speak, uh, I, I think most of us can code switch. Honestly, mm. you know, when it's time to speak good English, we'll speak good English. Yep. But most of the time, you're sitting now in a coffee shop with your friends. <laughs> it's just, uh, hey, how are you? Uh? You okay? Uh? Okay, uh, whatever. So the environment <laughs> calls for it. Yeah? yeah, yeah. You know, I don't have to be my friends. Hey, how are you doing? You know, How's your day been? I say, no lie. You're like, hey, bro, how's it? Okay, no, you? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. assuming it's not uh, sunshine and roses in Singapore, what do you think? Um, Singapore can do better for, I guess, the benefit of comedy. Because I, I believe there has been, I guess, a lot more shows. Mm. There's been a lot yes. more, I guess, um, is it public acknowledgement or I guess a lot more spotlight? But do you feel that we are trending in the right direction? Like, is is is, is there like a like a like like a vision you have, or what do you want to see happen more in Singapore? Um. Well, yeah, I would like to see more platforms for up and coming comedians to perform hmm. um, in the art scene especially yep. uh, I, I, I would love if the National Arts Council or any ministry in Singapore related to performing arts or entertainment you know come and say more support and like be alright I mean and be less like stringent with jokes you know mm. I know I, I know some, some depending on where you're performing I think if it's just an open mic in a random bar they don't really care but if you're like performing for a big stage in like Victoria Theatre whatever you have to all the jokes has to be created by IMD, for example, or mm. some department guy, right? And to me, you know, it's really stupid for a comedian to present his jokes to a random person before... And get it vetted. Get it vetted. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yep. It takes away from the creative process and comedy. I mean, you know, it's like showing your whole movie that you filmed already and then, it's like, oh, okay, we can't do that. It's like, yep. which has been done in Singapore. Let's be, let's <laughs> be honest, right? Death, let's yeah. be honest, yeah? yeah. And that, that takes away on the creative process. I mean, I think, especially if the audience is 18 and above, everyone has the right to their own opinion of the subject topic, Yeah, you know? Um, and I think the country is heading in the right direction. I think, I I, I feel I've seen around that even, uh, you know, when there's like, uh events or like you know sensitive events that have happened and government comes and say you know what there's also uh, it's under satire mm. they acknowledge you know like even Pofma honestly it may sound like they're trying to do a lot but there have been times where I noticed Pofma is make it very clear that they also they, they acknowledge satire like you can talk about politics you can joke about but as long as it's satire and not too extreme yep. they accept it mm. and so I think uh, also the irony is that with that said 
the beautiful thing about being creative is being able to you know uh, find loopholes you know skirting the line basically because that trains the creative mind also and like uh, if and I think people appreciate the smart being smart about about it depending on the joke and whatnot right yeah so yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that. I want to know um your perspective with regards to creativity. Mm. Um because let's say being in Singapore, there are a lot of these rules and limitations. And you mentioned having um, I guess this artificial uh the, the the maze that you have to navigate, it could um spur you to be more creative as compared to let's say in America, where you can basically say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you feel like I agree. That? I agree. I I think um there's 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 certain comedians in this country that um they are very intelligent in the way they they present a comedy and they told I mean they kind of like uh they what's what's the word I'm looking for they kind of they, they they walk too close to the line but mm. they never cross it but but because you know they are near the line then you're like oh I see what you did there it's very clever yeah you know? and that's like the genius yeah, of it isn't yeah it? and yeah. I, I appreciate that part more than anything mm. else because yeah. like that's so I see oh, like the intelligence <laughs> that comedic intelligence right there yeah, yeah the ability to like mm-hmm. yeah so yeah no one can touch me but yeah. I'm just there you know? yeah. yeah yeah so we we talked a lot about the 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 soft skills with regards to comedy and I guess some of the hard skills as well I'm curious to know do you think it is something that can be picked up by everybody do you need like an innate talent to be remotely successful because it's something so rigorous they are like acting there are certain things that mm. um with regards to delivery with regards yep. to tone with regards to type of a message the type of joke what i'm curious to know um do you think you everyone could be a comedian or someone needs to be talented yeah. or is it like yeah. or purely hard work yeah, yeah. so i think the in creativity wise, I think all of us need to have at least a small gift before we can be great at something. Okay. Like a, yeah, I, I feel that way. Like example, an artist, you know, most painters when they were kids they could draw already very well without any training. And mm. that's a gift. For me, for the love of God, you can try to teach me how to paint. I could never paint for shit. I could never draw for shit. No matter yep. how much you teach me. I probably can do better than what I do now if you teach me, but I will never be as good as that. The natural, like, oh wow, boom, I can just draw something now. But you know, I'm you know, growing up, we've always seen those classmates of ours doodling, right? Spoil market, right? Yeah, yeah, the doodlers, right? Like, how the fuck are you? Not, uh, we our art fucking lesson is once a week for only one hour, and can't teach us shit. But you draw so well, that's a gift right there. And if they do choose to go under, like, oh, we're gonna go study arts, right? They will flourish because they have that gift. Yeah. So same, I feel for almost every. Um, creative industry, right? I feel that there has to be at least a little bit of that inclination, um, somehow given, you know, by birth, uh, and then crafted through like uh, young days. You know, you just watch, watch, and you're like, oh, I found my gift, right? Yep. Yeah. So that even for comedy, I feel that everyone can stand on stage and tell a joke. Yes. But to go even more than that, like improv and everything, there has to have to have that comedic gift, um, in them. So I felt mind bloomed when I was like 11 years old. Mm. Somehow I found it. Somehow. Mm. And it just, and in my, like you see, in my own natural state, I, I study, I'm always thinking about what's the best way to deliver something or like, why is this joke funny? And even when I joke with friends, right, somehow I know the right moment to say something and, not, and the right moment not to say something and to say in a certain tone, that's why it makes it funny. It just comes very fast to me. And I don't know why, but I, people ask me why and I say, no, I'm not growing up. Somehow I just 
picked it out and I understood timing and everything. Yeah. It's just the way you view things and yeah. see the world. I yeah. So I, I just honed basically that that I guess skill and I decided to I'm gonna make it into like, you know, uh, a career. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, because I know some friends, you know, who think they're very funny but they're not and no matter how much <laughs> you try to teach them they'll ne- never be mm. right and I guess it's just yeah just, you know that's the beautiful thing about the being creative like, I guess as an artist sorry an artist right? yeah yeah. and to, to follow up that point um, what do people not see people see you in front of the camera mm-hmm. they see you running this business and see you being so charismatic yeah. I'm curious what do people not see uh, well I think what people don't see is that actually I'm a thinker I think a lot I think a lot about uh, people, mm. like um, uh, especially people who are less fortunate, you know, and uh, I actually, um, what I don't see is that whatever I do as a comedian and everything, I actually do uh, have my moments where, you know, I, I'm always trying to think of how can I help use whatever I have or in the future get more so I can help the people who are, um, suffering in, yep. our, in our society especially in the, in the closest is Singapore la, you yeah know? yeah. why because, is that important? Yeah. I think I don't know as a young kid I mean just my experience I, 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 I actually I have this I, I've um, I, I lost the word I'm looking for but maybe you can help me out I had this thing for like uh, caring for the farm workers because mm. remember as a young kid you know so uh, where I stay there, there's this mini mud where all the farm workers will hang out yeah okay, mostly whether they're Bangladeshi workers, the Indian workers, or the Sri Lankan workers, right? Um, because around my estate, there's uh, houses owned by um, companies where they house their workers there. Yep. So they're always there. I remember walking past them and when they see me, they will move out of the way, give me away as a small boy. I was a small boy, mm-hmm. you know? And it hit me so much. I'm like, hey, you know, you don't, in my head, it's like, you don't have to do that. I am no bigger human being than you in society, yeah. you know? You don't have to get out of the way. Like, Seriously, it's a chair. You know? It's just like the random chairs. And then when they see me, they just stand up, you know, to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And walk past. Give me space. I'm like, no, you don't do that. You don't have to do that. And I, I was like, it really hit me. I'm like, you know what? You know, I, I have seen also these people getting bullied or taking advantage of. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, I personally feel that it will suck if I'm in a situation where I'm being sent overseas, away from my family, friends, my own country to work in a foreign country and then being treated like a lower class citizen, you know, it's, and and they are building our country. Most of our, our beautiful buildings here are all built by them, maintained yeah. by them. And But well, hey, Singapore is the best place, but yep. it's the best place because of these people. Yeah. yeah. So what people don't see is that actually I really care about all these things. And um, I, mean, I guess it's hard to see my content, right? You know, but yeah. It's interesting yeah. because do you think, we, we talked about uh, everyone could, could tell a joke on stage, but it feels as though it takes a certain level of empathy to actually be a good comedian because you kind of have to acknowledge and you have to relate to um, people's struggles, even your own struggles to yep. be able to deliver them out to other people so that they can understand. It's yep. like this idea of understanding yep. that um, it takes empathy to do it. You're, yep. you're, not, you're not just um, repeating off something from a script. You have to empathize with the situation and you're yep. able to deliver it, I guess, with assurance and I guess, confidence. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, that's where the... Um, I think certain communities you can see when they tell jokes, but you you also can see that hey, they they observe a lot and they understand a lot, and that's why they can say in a certain way or joke in a certain way because they just they just get it, right? As opposed to a, a comedian or someone else just coming and delivering a joke because it was written that way, 
Yeah. And I also find myself in like, uh, because I, I don't do a lot of improv nowadays because mm. more of uh, content work, right? But when I was younger doing improv and everything, it's because of all my observational, um, observation, uh, obser- observing actually. Yep. Yeah, of life. And that's where all, a lot of my jokes come from. You know, it's like people doing people things. Yeah. And uh, You mentioned TikTok. And what I'm curious to know is, I mean, TikTok's a relatively new uh, platform mm. and they introduced a very interesting format which runs in, uh, I guess, in conflict with a lot of the formats that we were familiar with. I mean, <laughs> we, 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 we came from movies yeah, to TVs yeah, yeah. to, I guess, YouTube had the spur of like video essays and everything. It's really long form. But TikTok kind of introduced like what, the 15 seconds and the 10 seconds. Um, How do you feel about it? Yeah. So I was very worried at the beginning. Worried? Yeah, because I was like, attention span is already getting shorter and shorter. This was basically encouraging it. Do you agree with that statement? Um, I personally still am conscious about attention span. So I think it doesn't affect me, but I I can see the younger generation attention span just fading away. Mm. And the people are saying the worry is that a lot of people won't be able to watch movies anymore because it's one and a half hours in the theater. And it's like... I hear... Okay, so the interesting thing to to take a tangent, I think, not movies, but songs, I think they have to game the algorithm. They have to game uh, the, the, the Spotify algorithm to be on certain playlists so that you get more plays. And I think um, I've heard from producers where everything is so structured and so meticulous that, oh, it is no longer than, let's say, like three minutes, 20 seconds, and yeah. you have to yeah. intro. Intro has to sound a certain way. The intro has to hit certain key points. And at a certain mark, it will go into the bridge. It will go into the verse. It goes into the chorus. Everything is so methodical just to game the algorithm. Right. Yeah. Which is very sad. It is. It's very sad because, you know, when you write a song and you write a song based on, oh, I need to do this, uh, and follow these pointers in order to get the best, whatever, um, uh, uh, algorithm, whatever, it's so stupid because you write a song because it's beautiful in its way, in its own, right? Yeah. yeah. So for me, I love music since young and I also play music, right? And I studied music when I was younger. So I really appreciate music. So I will listen to a song in this full one the first to the end mm. i'm very particular about it it's yep. like a habit i yep. don't like to skip or if it's last five seconds i still won't skip the song i yep. don't know it's just me yep. right to appreciate the artist but i've seen friends who you know you know when you're at a party and then they're like they're the ones with the so-called the dj of the night yep. so they get to play music yep. and i get frustrated when someone keeps changing the song after the first chorus like the first 20 seconds they don't like it they swatch they, oh, no, they, keep... like they'll listen to the song yeah they like yeah First chorus, the first uh, first verse, first chorus, and then it's like, okay, guys, uh, next song, then the change. <laughs> and I'll get very irritated because it happens with every song, and then I'm yep. like, guys, we it feels like we're starting a movie, we don't complete it, and we change the movie, mm. and I'm left hanging. Yep. And imagine watching a movie that way is so irritating, right? Yep. And uh, but I say no, like it gets boring. I say, how can you say a song gets boring? You appreciate a song for its whole in its whole, right? It's created with many different parts for a reason. It's yep. like a story. Yep. And I realized that it's because they have low attention span because they, they don't see the artistic side of it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I want to, okay, let's, let's listen to song. Oh, right, song, 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 you know, and it's, um, it's like, I mean, I say, if I want to do that, I'll go to a club and listen to the DJ play. At least when they transit, there's like a, a flow. Yeah. There's transition. You're yep. just like abrupt, you know? Yep. And I guess that's the, the artist or the creative side of me that's very frustrated, but. Yeah. But yeah, so at first I was worried about the, the attention span thing, but I think, now, a few years later, I changed my mind. I think the fact that movies won't die 
because mm. movies are movies like Netflix is still there Disney Plus whatever all the platforms are churning out movies even Apple got his hand on it Amazon uh, so I think people will still watch and pay attention when they can Yeah. Uh, I think I feel that now most of us in society are just adapted to oh there is short and long content it depends on what you want to watch done mm. yeah so yeah I, I would say 2020 I was so worried about short form content like oh attention span like no one's going to watch long form anymore and I think that was true for a while, but everyone slowly went back to long form because people, I think, automatically realized that there's only so much you can say in so short, but if you really want to really grasp something, you have to watch longer form. Yeah. I don't have TikTok, but mm. I keep hearing about how, I guess, the idea of the the, the scrolling and how, I guess, it, it kind of hooks you in with regards to, I guess, what the algorithm kind of thinks that you want to view and everything. So what I'm curious to know is uh, what type of challenges does, I think, creating content in such a weird format you have to get from point A to point B with regards to your idea in what 15 seconds or like 12 seconds yeah, and yeah. you have to be entertaining yeah. <laughs> and you have to you have to include all these different things what what of challenges um have, have you personally faced with regards to creating content like let's say this particular short form content right so the funny thing is, I think growing up in film school and uh, doing my were you, um, do you feel like you were prepared to create content for TikTok um I was prepared to create like maybe longer form content like yeah. a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But funny, funnily enough, uh, because I love advertising, which I found out in film school, right? And the, 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 the challenge of advertising is always to sell something within a short period of time. Yep. And so, and I enjoyed it. Actually, I enjoyed it the most because I was like, I think it's a skill. You know, if you can tell a story uh, in a short amount of time and get your pointers out, that's beautiful and I had a lot of fun doing it yep. and that's why I kind of like moved to advertising because it's oh you know most advertisements are comedic right because they mm. want to in a short amount of time they want to do something that makes you laugh because you tend to remember it when you laugh Yeah. and so I think I, I kind of like had the interest already for a long time so when I converted to shorter form content I was actually having fun more than anything else with the challenge mm-hmm. okay uh, 15 seconds or 30 seconds uh, okay so how can I shorten and sacrifice? It's all about sacrifice. I sacrifice my script, sacrifice what you say. And yeah, I think the biggest challenge I find myself most of the time when I create my own content is when I'm editing to sacrifice shots. So, all right, you know, I really want this, but I have to sacrifice it because it's not necessary, you know, and yeah, and the beginning was harder, but now it's easier. Like, you know what? Yeah, it's for all for the better. Yeah. All for the better, all for the better, yeah. Do you feel the pressure to constantly create, to stay, I guess, on top of the business, on top of your own artistic pursuits, and I guess on top of the algorithm. Because God knows that if you don't post consistently, I think yeah. the word is consistently, yeah. Yeah. you will fall behind in terms of, right, let's say, right, like, right. Uh, your stuff getting out there and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that's one of the more malicious <laughs> yeah. parts with regards yeah. to yeah. this invisible hand that yep. we're all like feeding content yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> So when I started, I was like, I only want, uh, I think back in 2018, the content was like once a week is a lot already. So I only posted once a week, yeah. right? And as the years go by, it started getting more and more. And then even now, like I post five times a week, right? <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah. But the thing is that I think for a period of time last year, especially, I was like worried. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to post. If not, I might fall behind. Mm-hmm. But then I forgot when, but I brought myself back down to earth. And I'm like, hey, you know what? You shouldn't, I shouldn't be controlled by the the social media companies, you know. I can't let them tell me, oh, if you don't do this, we will, we will not, you know. It's, fuck them, nah, you know, yeah. what the fuck? You know, it's, it's my choice when to post, right? It's yeah. a free platform. Yeah. 
So now I say I post five times a week because I have a lot of content that I, I have like a back backlog of that I want to post and slowly mm-hmm. people. But I always tell myself if I don't feel like posting tomorrow, I won't fucking post it. I will just not. Whatever. And ironically, the way the algorithm works now is that um, it used to be chronological, right? Yes. It's like you post it, everyone will only see your latest, but yep. now it's just organic. Yeah. Like, okay, you post, if I post today, next few days, people will see a new post, but all my past posts uh, will come back randomly because yep. they'll find the people who kind of like my yeah. that kind of content and yeah. So I'm not so worried anymore, but I feel that as a, f- as a full-timer doing this, it's like I'm a creator online and I entertainer. I will call myself an entertainer on the media platform. <laughs> uh, I feel that I feel responsible to at least post once a week to Interesting. entertain people. Interesting. Because I want people to get entertained. And people do message me, we always look forward to your stuff, Ben. Thank you for making us laugh. And say, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm doing this for you, like for my fans. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that you, you used to do somewhat two to three minute kind of long form mm-hmm. content and now you have started doing short form content. Is there a particular a medium or format you haven't done that you might be interested in? Wow. Um, maybe like a talk show. Interesting. I mean, okay, my podcast is kind of like a talk show, right? But I do want to do like game shows and everything like a Running Man and all. I mean, my ultimate aim is to get, you know, you do bigger productions that way as a comedian, Running Man, yep. uh, making people laugh or like a prank shows, yep. you know. Uh, but Singapore is very tough to do prank shows because everyone's so sensitive. <laughs> so it's more like controlled prank shows. <laughs> not maybe only pranking my friends or famous people because it's controlled, right? But yep. yeah, I want to do like, yeah, those kind of like out, out there productions. Yeah. yeah. I've seen um, pranks. I mean, with, with regards to TikTok again, mm. I think people have been doing some wild shit just <laughs> to get to that concept of virality. And yeah. oftentimes it goes a bit all right. As um, especially if you do it in public yep. and yep. nobody's in on the joke and you're just invading people's spaces and mm. you're just trying to prank them. <laughs> I think doing it here might be a little bit yes, difficult. It's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. So it has to be more controlled, like, yep. you know? And yeah, but yeah, there's uh, some of the stuff that I haven't done yet, which I'm looking forward to do one day. Yeah. Mm. What about the idea of shooting a film? Oh, that's always in the cuts. Yeah. Always in the cuts, but I always tell myself when I'm ready, lah. But who knows, you know, in the near future, I've always wanted to direct my own feature comedy film based in Singapore. Because I always feel that my voice uh, directing a comedy film, I, I want people to see. Like, mm. I want people to say that Singapore can have a really funny film that our audiences around the world can relate to. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any idea what that might look like? Well, I've, I have a few ideas, but it's always going to be around a bunch of a few guys, you know, Singaporean guys, and something stupid happens, and the whole movie are just trying to figure out how to fix it. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of hangover, yeah? Yeah, something like hangover, <laughs> yeah. but it's to showcase Singapore, yeah, and showcase how Singaporean guys handle it, and to also show people that we can be funny. Yeah. Singaporeans can be funny. You know, enough with this, like, oh, Singapore, no, we can be funny. It's just finding the right director and the right actors, uh. Has there been stigma that Singaporeans can't be funny? Well, I think it's because there's a stereotype, right? Like, you know, even when I was in London, yeah. a lot of the Singaporean people I meet from other schools, the stereotype is that they're very boring and they're very like... Very straight-laced. Like, straight-laced. Like, they just do their own thing. They don't really hang out with the mix with the foreigners. It's yep. just their own community. So no drugs. Yeah, no drugs. I go to the school, I go home, then we chill with my friend, we play Mahjong, play Dota, then we... 
we only go out together, go to around the place, uh, drive around, but yep. there's no like, is it like, there's no like, oh, we go mix around, we go have fun, we go laugh, we go, you know, like it's just always, yep. Uh, which I wasn't, you know, I was the opposite. I mean, I, I, don't, I want to meet people around the world and have fun and then learn learn things, you know? Yeah. Yep. So I think that's why majority of these people are like that, right? Like straight lace. And so when when the stereotype would be like, oh, so you're boring, uh, you know, I got funny one. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, going back to TikTok and algorithms, mm. um, there's this concept of virality that uh, could happen to anyone, could happen to content. Yep. And I think it's something that, um, I wouldn't say people chase, but people would want for them to happen because you gain um, engagement, you gain exposure. Is this something that you create consciously that you will want it to go viral? Because I'm sure that there are certain things that uh, might go viral. Or right. Are you able to predict it or do you do you not know? Yeah. Yeah. For a long time already, I told myself, um, I can never decide or predict variety. Sometimes, okay. most of the time, just life, right? Most of the times, the videos, I think, wow, this is fucking great, man. I'm fucking funny. I'm going to put it here. Everyone's going to fucking love it. And then nothing much. Then the video, there's a few times where the video was like, yeah, I got a simple idea. Let me just film it and post that because I want to post something today. And this morning, I wake up, what the fuck? I literally thought about it for five minutes. I said, ah, I'll just do it. I filmed it for 10 minutes. I posted it and it became so big. Yeah. I was like, huh? And then I told myself, you know what? I cannot... Uh, get stressed out over that you know I just go to post if it does well it does well if it doesn't then do better yeah. whatever who cares yeah. uh, all I know is that I have it up there in the in the content field it'll be forever in history in my channel yeah. and that's all that matters Yeah, that's all that matters it me. sounds like something you can't chase and yeah. it sounds like there's a lot of balancing I guess your own internal emotions uh, yeah. because naturally like, you do something so you will want yeah, that again yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like I can remember my first ever viral video there was this euphoria I was like yeah. hey people yeah. are gonna see who the fuck I am yeah and then I was like eh, it didn't happen for a while again <laughs> <laughs> I was like huh oh you know so I yeah it, it doesn't affect me anymore to be honest like yeah. if it goes viral I'm like okay cool Great. Yep. But I always tell clients, I actually scold clients that come in, hey, I want to make a viral video. What the fuck's a viral video? Mm-hmm. So you want to make a viral video? Sure. Okay. Sex sells. Um, conspiracy sells. Is that what you want for your brand? <laughs> oh, not really. No, I mean, I don't want to get involved in this shit. Then you'll never go viral, okay? Because it's branded. Sometimes, you know, even those companies that make viral videos, they don't even know it's fucking to go viral. They just had a fucking campaign, they made it, and then suddenly it became so popular. Oh, everyone loves this. They're saying, oh, great. Yep. That's it. Yep. So to dig deeper into content, um, by what metrics do you uh, judge your own content up? What defines a good video for you? By what metrics do you look at them? Yeah, because some might look at wow, the engagement. Okay. Um, some might look at the views. I, see. I, I, I judge the video before it's posted. Come again? I judge the video before I post it. Mm. Yeah, so to me, whether or not the views are there, if I feel that it's a great video, to me, it's a great video. Because I was proud of it. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like, honestly, some of the viral videos is so simple and I'm like, but it might not be my most favorite, you know? So I never judge it on the views. Yeah. Okay. Because sometimes the views are based on the algorithm picking out like, oh, a lot of people seem to watch it at this timing. Like at TikTok, right? It's like, oh, over the past two hours, a lot of people seem to watch the full video because it's all based on their, how long they stayed right? yep. so because they watch the full video which sometimes is 15 fucking seconds yeah. 15 <laughs> fucking seconds of their life of course they will give it right yep. the machine will say okay maybe most people like it and maybe they're gonna give it yeah and it doesn't necessarily mean that oh it's a fucking good video it's just that most people stayed yep. so out of the maybe let's say 1 million views maybe 600,000 700,000 is people who just got 
push the video lah yep. because all this uh, yeah. not necessarily oh it's a fantastic video yeah. Right? yeah it's interesting that you're cognizant of that even mm. that mm. is because if someone were to get a viral video oftentimes it's easy to just attribute it to the person the individual and not because I guess of the machinations of mm. oh because of the algorithm promoting yeah, to people yeah. at this particular time so it's interesting that you're very cognizant of the fact and I guess grounded in a sense that if I'm okay with the video yeah. I put it out there and that is what defines a good video yeah. and not oh, whether oh, the engagement is so much yeah. and it compares to the rest yeah. yeah. that's why I tell clients like oh which videos are good I say every fucking video on my channel is good mm-hmm. and I won't post it yeah. I mean, of course some maybe I don't like it as much yeah. but it's good enough for me to post it. Yeah. There's still some level of, yep, it's still me. Yeah. But I'll post it. Yeah. At that particular point in time, and of course, with the benefit of hindsight, yeah. if you can redo whatever you might or you might not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I would say that every video, there's always a, it's always a, as a creative, right? There's always something that I will tell myself can be better, but it's always going to be that way, right? Unfortunately. Yeah. It's always going to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, at the beginning, it was worse for me, mm. right? Because um, it just started, right? But after that, when I realized, hey, it's always going to be this way. And then when I went for talks, I hear famous people or even those well uh, successful people say, yeah, I, I would change my my successful movie. There's so many things I would change. Yeah. But, well, it is what it is, right? Yeah. But there is magic in a bottle. Uh, like right? you at that, at that point in time, um, having, I guess, your own frame of mind, you saying, I want to publish this. Mm. And if you look back a year later, you want to, if, you, if you could change it, I think you lose that magic uh, because yeah. you were not that person back then as well. Exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So with regards to fame and virality and content and being a content producer, is the idea of relevancy, is it something that is on your mind? Is it something that you do not care about? Because there's this idea of, oh, uh, it's easy to get your five minutes of fame, but I guess sustaining that and um, even the conversation around how how do I sustain that that fame or however you grow, I think that's a totally separate conversation. So this idea of being relevant, yeah. Uh, yeah. Funny enough, I've never been concerned about being relevant. Mm. I've, you know, I'm like, um, because in Singapore's eyes, if you talk about a very societal level, I'm not relevant because I'm I'm not like a proper I I. You know, I go to Singapore U, I, I study the typical things, and then I I I I should I should be married by now, my BTO already done. Is know? that like a template? <laughs> like a template, like, you okay. know, like yeah. So I think that if you think about the majority in Singapore's in the, especially in the traditional Asian family, oh, this boy, he okay, he do well in school, meet a nice girl, same level as him, they go uni after uni, they're still dating, they yep. propose a BTO, blah, 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 and then straight away, uh, produce children to help uh, run the country, support the country. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, I really went down the artistic line and everything and mm. um, I don't look like a normal Singaporean or a stereotype Singaporean as you would say. Yep. So I, I was always like, I don't give a fuck about relevancy because I, I just create my own like uh, space in this world, uh, space in this country, right? I yeah. am who I am. Uh, I don't, you know, you either you you accept that I'm part of society or not, right? Yeah. So I just create content as it is, and um, no questions lah for me, like or no doubt, like oh shit, am I am I part of this uh place? Uh, do am I gonna belong here for so long or not? You know, it's like yeah, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Um, I guess to end off this conversation, I'm mm. curious to know what does success look like to you? Um, you know, um. Now I've come to a point where I think a lot of people kind of know who I am and mm. every week, at least once a week, I will, someone will come up to me and say, hey, I love your content. I look forward to it. I look forward to it every time and thank you for making me laugh. To me, that's success. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing to do with money. It's, it's just like 
someone who saw me on the street and like, hey, I'm going to say to that guy, thank you for that, maybe that few minutes or few seconds of laughter, you know, wherever that guy was or that girl was, you know, and which is what I started out to do, right? Just I just want to make people have uh, maybe a sense of escapism from whatever stress and just have a good laugh, right? And whenever I see people of all different ages, you know, from young kids to older guys, like older guys and ladies, you know, 60, 70 year old, like, hey, that guy, I always laugh in your videos. Hey, you're very funny. I'm very happy as you and I'm very happy. That's enough for me. That's, that's success to me. And I think based on my experience, I'm currently successful. La. Gotcha. I'm going to take a U-turn back because yeah. I just remember a point I really wanted to talk to you about, okay. which is advertising yes. and comedic content. Mm. How do you balance the responsibilities of, let's say, when you're doing an advertisement for a particular thing, for a particular place, how do you balance that content while trying to make it funny? <laughs> is it, are they in conflict sometimes? Or is it down to whatever that it's negotiated with the client. Right. Yeah, because yeah. let's say if you're promoting a place, yeah. so it's kind of semi-serious, you kind of want, let's say, to drive something. You want you want something to have young people to go, you want people to visit, but, ha, huh, yeah. Yeah. So I always believe I can, the challenge for me, or I challenge myself is that I can sell anything, mm. any service product or whatever. Uh, no matter what it is, I'm gonna, I want to challenge myself to sell it. So, and uh, I think the beautiful thing is because I really branded myself as like, you know, it's mostly comedy, it's mostly uh, comedic content, right? Yep. All the clients that come to me, they're really like, all right, we want your style, comedy. Mm. Yes, but that's why we come to you and we want, we are open and we want to, excited to hear what you have to say about our product and service and how you're going to promote it. Yep. And of course, I mean, in the end, there's a lot of challenge where always in the end, the client was like, no, but there's certain things we have to say and yep, I, will, yep. I always have to be like, okay, but if you say it won't be, it will take away the the fun and it's going to be very commercial. So it's always that give or take. That's the challenge there. But yeah, this, I mean, where I find balance is always tug of war, right? Tug of yep. war, tug of war. It really depends on how um certain or how assertive the client is to no we have to do this part sorry yeah then like, okay well <laughs> if you really want it there don't look at me when it's like not as like funny as it's supposed to be right yeah. Yeah. yeah does the the idea of commerce the idea of let's say someone paying uh this particular skit as an advertisement does it um does it ruin the idea or the 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 craft of the comedy of the skit not really la, okay. because in the end I this is what pays for the bills, lah. Yeah. Right. And I think a, a mature person will also understand that, yeah, you know, uh, it's a career I have and there's only so much I can do uh for a paid skit. Yep. Right. But like I say, a mature audience will know, yep, you know, it's his challenge to create something, uh, and it's his career. Yep. Of course it's always the one two who uh, you uh, sell out, sell out, now you're getting paid. Then I'm like, hey, what the fuck? Are you gonna pay me, man, to 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 have a roof over my head, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I mean, you laugh for free already. Yeah. And then so I, I use this portfolio to get content and yeah. these stupid people will come and comment like, you know, yeah. hey, no, just stick to your own stuff. Don't do branded stuff. Like, you know, it's just, you know but it's nice to also sometimes hear the commenters. You pay for his fucking uh, bill star, <laughs> you fucker, you know, fucking talk so much. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would love to see you do like a serious documentary. <laughs> that would be f- that would be interesting. <laughs> like a wildlife documentary. Yeah, yeah, and just, the irony is because probably people really know my branding. So if the whole documentary is serious, they'll just laugh because yeah. it's irony, right? Yeah. The irony. It's right? irony. Yeah. So 
I think I think to round out the conversation, I'm yes. curious to know what do you think contributed to your success? Why do you think uh, you're so successful at this particular point? Why do you think people flock to you, people watch your content? Yeah. yeah, what is it about you? I think I stuck through to my guns. Mm. I never changed uh, from what I decided I wanted to be. Um, I, I like creating my own content and sticking sticking to it and never pleasing anybody. I think that's why slowly and I mean it, it was a slow rise, but. In, I always knew in due time, uh, people will just recognize genuine my genuinity. Yeah. Right. And uh, they're like, you know, and they appreciate that. Just appreciate me being genuine. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, not someone else. Like not being trying to trying to be someone I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a beautiful way to end the conversation. Before we end, is there anything else you would like to talk about? Um. No. Actually, I think we actually covered so much more than I, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. And it's always therapeutic for me. Yeah. Because I, I reminisce what I am, right? Yeah. Yep. So thanks a lot for this. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time. And I guess thank you for sharing your experience and thank you for the conversation. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.